Hey, this is Dirk Reviewer from Megadeth, and you're listening to GhostCultMag.com. Taking the driver's seat this time is our old buddy Wesley Negron from the band from Puerto Rico known as Malls. I'm sure you heard them. They're pretty old. Anyway, he sat down with Stefan from Falcandra. That's a hard word. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Wesley here reporting for Ghost Cold Magazine. And with me, I have Stefan from the Black and Death Metal Band Falcandra. How are you doing today, Stefan? Hey, over there. It's a lovely afternoon over here in uh, Landshut, Germany. And... It's a pleasure talking to you. Hi. Yeah, it's a pleasure talking to you too. I'm very excited to to have this conversation going. Uh, so, Phil Kendra released uh, you, your guys' fifth album, Hail the Abyss, on May 19th, uh, actually being very well received by critics. Can you talk a little bit about how was the process of writing this compared to the other albums? There's a, a little bit of a throwback sound here for uh, like black and death metal from the 90s too. Well, the entire album came to bed, together quite smooth because we worked with the same team as with the previous record, uh, A Dying Wish. We worked once again with Dan Smarter of mm-hmm. uh, Sound Studios to take care of like mixing, mastering the record as well as uh, the same artwork artist. And we had more or less the same lineup. So this all made us uh, feeling a little bit more relaxed and smooth because we didn't have to, you know, learn material uh, with a new member, uh, work out, I don't know, a different studio environment, something like mm-hmm. this. So everything was quite smooth. And this led us also, well, try around a little bit more and also expand our sound, especially when it comes to in okay. dynamics. I think we worked a little bit more towards the edges of what we ever did. If you compare, for example, the previous four records to the new one, I think the, the new one has a lot of diversity to offer. There is not only, uh, there are not only blast beats, there are not only up-tempo mm-hmm. songs, but also very, very slow songs. And there's even one that could be could be seen as a death and roll song. Another one is more or less uh, a doom metal ballad. And this entire, this entire diversity I, I talked about makes this album very special, in my opinion. This, this entire album turned out to be a nice story you want to listen to from front to end because you don't know what is happening at the, the next chapter, so to say. I'm, I'm very happy how it turned out. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and also there's a, a little bit more of uh, the incorporation of acoustic guitars, you know, and having that, again, like that kind of dissection-ish rock side of things to the black black and death metal you guys are doing. Is, is this... Is this something else that you would incorporate into into where you're talking? Well, we worked a little bit more with the acoustic guitars uh, up front in the mix. So we always had this instrument in the band, but I tend to to combine the organic sound of acoustic guitar together with um, the the high gain sounds from electric guitar. Because you somehow, uh, you put together two worlds that are not meant to be together, but somehow Mm -hmm. If you if you tweak it right, and we, with Dan Swanee, we had the right person behind the knobs. It can create a certain atmosphere. You only you only gain with those two instruments and the acoustic guitar. I think that's that's one of our secret weapons when it comes to songwriting because you have you have an instrument that simply reflects the the real personality of a musician. It's very hard to edit acoustic guitars overall. Mm-hmm. You cannot stretch the, uh, the, the audio files or uh, you, you can cut chord by chord, but even then you have to take care of it. We didn't want to do that at all. We kept it as natural as possible, simply because to translate the feeling of a, a real band performing. And this is something we did with the acoustic guitars, but also with all the other instruments. So we didn't edit everything to the max. We didn't uh, work too much on the grid. Of 
course, we recorded by, by a click track, but we didn't edit everything. So this this pure magic is everybody talks about from the, from the 80s or 90s. In my opinion, is simply the fact that each musician had a entirely different taste or a different way to play guitar. And this was simply unfiltered and recorded this way. And we want to gain this this vibe and therefore i love to work with the acoustic guitar yeah for sure i mean i also think that that precisely what are you talking about right now it's one of the things a lot of like the modern production in metal is losing you know everyone wants to be very perfect and they want to sound as clear as possible when when you know i think metal provides that opportunity for you to actually translate how you feel an instrument and make it sound you know, heavy, angry, sad, however you want to, whatever you want to portray. I think metal gives you that. And yeah, I think it, I, I think it definitely translates that into the album. I, I also think the fact that you have Dan Swanner working on this kind of stuff, you know, he's, he's a legendary producer. How, how was that experience for you? Like, how, how do you like working with Dan, particularly, you know, taking these, like the most out of these kind of sessions uh, from you guys? Actually, it was very, very easy working with Dan. First of all, he has experience of uh, recording and producing albums since decades. He also mm -hmm. formed and uh, produced most of the records that have been an influence on our band or mm -hmm. to myself. So this was this was a no-brainer for the entire band. What was very, very helpful is the fact that he understood where we want to where we want to go to with the band. I think, first of all, each mix starts with a good song because the song um, more or less dictates what kind of what kind of options you have within the mix. So there was a lot of communication. There was a, a lot of back and forth. Overall, the communication has been has been smooth and fast. We haven't had uh, too much too much changes towards the mix because Dan simply understood the band, the vibe, the record and he's an artist himself from my perspective each mixing mastering engineer is not only an engineer but also some some kind of an artist who has a magnificent magnificent influence on uh, the overall outcome of the sound so we let him this freedom to do what he thinks is best especially when it comes to mixing in a certain dynamic range when it comes to compression and all of that he simply has the experience well delivered the best possible and well we are the musicians so we deliver the best music we can do the, the best um the best performances and also of course organize and prepare proper sessions and files but this this uh cooperation and joint venture to come up for hail the abyss wouldn't be better it was absolutely easy to work with dan although he worked with so many other artists and he probably has seen everything from the best organized band to the, the worst fucking nightmare <laughs> so, <laughs> for sure. I'm, i'm very sure he has seen everything so it was really refreshing how easy it was working with a producer so much experience it's super easy and i can just recommend anyone who wants to have a proper mix and master to work with dan and unisound excellent that's awesome to hear for sure and like you know They always say in a way, don't meet your heroes. And obviously, you know, as musicians, we always have, you know, different producers or people that we want to work with. And then we somehow get to them. And it's like, it's not as fun reaching out to them, but hearing the fact that Dan being in the level that he is, it's such a great guy and easy guy to work with that, that definitely 
that's awesome. Um, I also, I also want to talk about like the, the fact that I want to, I want to dig in a little bit, a little bit deeper into the whole writing process and how you set up for, for this music, because obviously you also play in Obscura and obviously the difference in between both bands is it's obvious. How do you prepare for each project? And uh, is there any particular process that you enjoy more from between bands or is, is, it, is it a complete mindset because of the, uh, com yeah, a complete mindset because of the difference of the music? First of all, I grew up with the styles we both play with uh, Tulkandra and Obscura. So mm -hmm. this has been in my musical DNA from day one. When I started to listen to heavier music, I'm very familiar with both styles and I love both bands the same way. Just out of a natural, well, evolution, both bands went to different directions while mm -hmm. Obscura became a, a very focused band that plays hundreds of shows. Actually, I think we played seven or eight hundred shows so far. <laughs> Tulkandra is is not uh, gifted with the fact that all the musicians are making a living out of music. This turned into Tulkandra be, becoming a very picky band when it comes to live shows. We only play selected concerts, live shows, and if we play a tour, it has to be the right one at the same time, and you can be sure we are not going to tour the same year again. It's simply not possible. Mm. <clears throat> Writing for both bands is quite similar. We have two guitarists in both bands that come up with the skeletons of the music. Together we work on the arrangements as a collective. The only difference is the, uh, the mindset you also mentioned. With Tulkandra, it's a different vibe. Um, things have to be a little bit more easy, a little bit more laid back. You don't overthink everything, while Obscura is the, op uh, the opposite. Everything, every fucking note, every lyrical theme, everything is thought out from front to end. But in To the bottom end, this balances me out because I have two different worlds. I have two different bands I'm working with. And uh, whenever I'm a little bit done with the one project, I tend to work on the other one. I also never write music at the same time for both bands. Mm, I always work in one shot on one project. For example, Tukandra has been finished now. Uh, this entire record has been delivered a couple of months ago. I'm writing now a new Obscura record and I will not even think about a new Tukandra uh, song before the new Obscura record is finished. So I focus entirely on one thing, one thing at a time, but do the best possible at once. And this, this helped me a lot. It wasn't always the case in, in the very beginning when we all started to make music, when we have been 16, 17, something like that. Um, you first have to work through all those experiences, the bad ones, the good ones, everything. And now being uh, 38, more than 20 years in the business with both bands, I, I simply somehow found my place to make things happen in an easy way and also feel comfortable with that. With Tulkandra, it's it's super easy because the, the guys I'm working with are, are very nice and don't live too much, uh, too far away. The same with Obscura. We... Of course, we live all on different different spots, very far away. But these days with sharing files and ideas and having calls, it makes it so easy creating music together. It's just a tiny little little different setup. But in the end, if you write music with uh, like-minded people, it's always the same, no matter what kind of style you do. That's that's very interesting to hear because precisely because of the, the difference, you know, between both subgenres that both bands play. But I also think it definitely makes sense. And, and, and yeah, it definitely comes with, you know, being mature about your overall writing process. And like you said, you learn from the mistakes and you learn from like all the stuff you go through to kind of dedicate specific slot of time for each project instead of doing both at the same time. I think a lot of people that have multiple bands kind of like 
get in some sort of web of trying to do all everything at the same time. And it, it gets a little bit messy and, and obviously sometimes even delays some of these projects. So it's very interesting to, to, to see that that's the approach you, you go for. And obviously, you know, definitely experience is part of, of that whole process. It's a matter of time management. Mm -hmm. In my life, I, uh, I founded two bands. It was Obscura in 2002 and Thulkandra in 2003. And I never took place in any other side projects or anything. I helped out some friends when it came to, to live shows, just, you know, helping friends is always a different story, but mm -hmm. I never joined any other band. I never joined uh, other projects, studio projects, because if you have two bands of this size and well, you, you want to put everything you have into it, you shouldn't, you shouldn't lose your focus. Also, well, working on a project can be fine every now and then, but um, I'm, I don't want to do that. I'd, I'd rather keep on working on those two bands and fulfill all musical ideas that come across with, with those two bands. I mean, everybody's different. There's no right or wrong, but for me, it really works the best. No, for sure. For sure. And I, I think it definitely makes sense. Uh, me being in different projects and being have been in different projects throughout all my years uh, as a musician. It, it definitely makes sense to go about it that way. Um, and, and also the fact that you get to concentrate on, on, on like the projects, the, your passion projects a little bit more rather than just trying to just play with everyone at the same time. And it definitely makes sense. You get to focus on it a little bit more. So yeah, definitely makes sense. I, I, I also want to like, like right now, I want to talk about a little bit about black metal in general. Uh, I feel like black metal has been one of those subgenres in metal that it has been gradually growing in popularity in the past few years. And uh, we get to, we actually get to see a lot of bands kind of, you know, expanding and mixing different styles with, with what the core of the genre is. How do you feel about the current stage of black metal as a genre? And, and are you, are you still listening to those old school records or are there some bands that, you know, are you listening right now that you're like, okay, this is well, Of course, I do have my my favorite bands. I always uh, tend to listen to every now and then. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there are so many great newcomers from all over the world uh, mm -hmm. making making music and put them out. And it's so easy to to listen to music uh, on whatever uh, whatever format. If it's Spotify, if it's Deezer, if it's YouTube with uh, fancy videos, it's so easy to put out art these days. And I think all all musical genres somehow benefit from this freedom. And when it comes to mm -hmm. black metal, it's very interesting to see where bands are, are going with this kind of music. I mean, you have very noisy, arty bands for, from France, for example, like uh, Inon mm -hmm. Nakath, uh, uh, Despel Omega, uh, Guerra from uh, Portugal. But on the other hand, you have showgaze influences in bands mm -hmm. like I don't know, Weg eine Freiheit, uh, Waldgeflüster, uh, this, this whole German scene uh, that comes up every now and then. And also in the US, there are so many bands that uh, that make me speechless. For example, Stormkeep, it's a, a project, I think, from the Blood Incantation guys. It was one of my favorite, uh, favorite albums of the last year. I just discovered it out of nowhere and I was so happy. Like back in the late 90s, when I when I started to trade CDs and uh, vinyl with my friends, uh, it was the same feeling when uh, a friend just showed me this this album a couple of months ago, and I was blown away. And I thought, okay, this is fucking awesome. So there, there are still there are still bands coming up with something new. There are, there are bands, um, well, supporting the classic or known old school past. It's mm -hmm. not bad or it's not wrong. It's just interested how many dedicated musicians are out there. And I think when it comes to an artistic point of view, it was never better than these days. How to make a living out of music is a completely different story. 
because mm -hmm. of so many so many artists and uh, the, the format everybody is consuming music these days and the oversaturation of the live market things are not getting easier if you if you don't think about anything that has to do with money and just focus on artistic freedom this is this is the best the best era of uh, of not only black metal but uh, the, the whole uh, metal scene It's so easy to record an album, to put out your own ideas. And it's also so cheap. When I started making music, I had to import um, Jackson and uh, BC Rich um, guitars from the United States because you couldn't get them over here in Germany. And if you wow. get one, it was a used one then in a very bad shape for a galactic price. <laughs> so, <clears throat> these days with uh, just ordering online whatever you need for a decent price and also the, the raised quality of instruments for example when it comes to guitars you, you can buy a guitar for let's say 800 euros or uh, like 900 dollars it is decent and you can even tour with it I, mm -hmm. i wouldn't mind overall and it's available everywhere it doesn't matter where you live you can pick up a guitar you can pick up a computer and uh, a cheap audio interface and you can mix your music always depending on uh, how much effort you put in and how much you know the, the software and everything but you have to, the freedom to put out the music you want to do and there are less filters and less boundaries and this this is simply fantastic i'm very happy about the, the current state of music to be honest Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think uh, whenever you hear or you read people saying the 80s were the best era or whatever other era they want to mention, it's like, obviously, we have some of the classics. Most of the majority of the of the origins of the genre happened during those times, right? 70s, 80s. But at the same time, it's like you said, it's so easy. It, like accessibility to new music is so easy that you can just listen to bands from other places. In my case, right now, I'm completely obsessed with a lot of French bands that are coming up this year that have, have released amazing albums. I just don't know what's happening with the water in France right now that they're like just doing amazing or heavy music. Saying that one particular era is better, it's better than the other. Obviously, it's all about how you like how you grew up with it and all this stuff. But I, I also agree that right now we're in a very rich state, artistic state with the, within the, the genre because... A lot of bands are also not afraid of, you know, mixing whatever other genre that has nothing to do with heavy music into the heavy aspect of things. And it sounds interesting. And I think that's also another thing that metal gives to, to musicians, right? That they are able to express however they want to do. And there's always going to be a, an audience for it as well. That's true. That's true. And you gain your own audience as well. You don't have to go through, mm -hmm. I don't know, magazines or samplers. These days, those playlists are a little bit more important. Yeah. But still, if you if you have the weirdest idea on the planet to make super bizarre music, there is the possibility to to just put it out. Back in the 80s or the, the glorified 70s, there was always the, the A&R that was the big filter. Okay, this is, I think they can sell records. They should get a record contract. And all the other hundreds or thousands of bands, maybe they also have great ideas. They just played live for the sake of it and then uh, called it a day. Maybe they had mm -hmm. a self-recorded demo and that's it. These days, different story. You just have to be be able to, to gain some kind of reach, um, uh, worldwide reach. Times are changing. Media is changing. Mm -hmm. Uh, the formats uh, are changing, but this is nothing new. Uh, towards the whole history of, of music, formats changed all over the place. Okay. There's always a certain cycle that ends and a new one starts. And 
let's see what is going to happen after streaming is not not a thing anymore so mm -hmm. that's a big question what's next yeah we'll, we'll see what, what happens next there it's, it's going to be very interesting uh for us musicians to be able to adjust to whatever comes next so let's get back to to through kendra i want to talk about you guys uh at the beginning of the year you were able to play your first u.s tour uh with uh flesh god apocalypse and obscura i want to talk to i want to ask you how was the tour for you guys and How was for you specifically the fact that you had to take the stage twice every night? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, definitely demanding, very demanding. <laughs> but uh, I soldiered through that. And I was very happy because the, the entire camaraderie within all the four bands, uh, Flesh God Apocalypse, Wolfheart, uh, mm. Obscura, Tulkandra, it was really one of those tours where everybody could get along with everybody. And we just helped each other. We had a couple of uh, problematic days where we have been stuck in the snow where everything was very very late but everybody helped each other to make things happen it was it was one of the nicest tours i did in a very long time that's on the on the personal side on the professional side we had nine or ten sold out shows through north america and for tulkandra it was the very first time in 20 years to make it over the ocean so this was very special and we didn't know what to expect we opened the show with i think 30 minutes of playing time okay And it was very, very nice to see that a lot of people, of course, didn't know the band at all. But when we started to play, they liked it. Second song, third song, they enjoyed it. And uh, with the last two songs, they've been really into it. And this, this happened almost every day. So basically, we bored the audience, and in the end, we 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 felt that we convinced the audience of the band. And this was. A, really rewarding we had a very good time and we're also working on a, a small comeback with a headlining tour because a lot of people ask for uh, longer sets and of course we couldn't play songs everybody wished we played mm -hmm. so we're working on that and we would love to to come back and when it comes to the bands i mentioned i would tour with them in a heartbeat again it was a pleasure and all of all of the gentlemen and the lady traveled with us have been have been lovely. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Um, I, I want to ask you though, how, like, do you change anything in your overall like warm up routine for these kind of tours? Like, do you use Tolkander's set to, you know, warm you up for Obscura? How, how do you, how did you go about it? Mm -hmm. When it comes to the vocals? Yes. Tulkandra was basically the warm-up for the guitars. It's a different setup. Tulkandra plays with six-string guitars, Obscura with seven-string guitars, and much more demanding music. So mm -hmm. it was pretty much a lot of discipline necessary to make this happen. So I had my 15-20 minutes warm-up guitar playing with Tulkandra, and between Tulkandra and Obscura, while Wolf had played 35-40 minutes to warm up on the guitar of Obscura. So basically the, the entire night was full of work. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed every every minute of it. It was um, well. You had you, you always have to to look for yourself a little bit or after yourself. I think that's the, mm -hmm. the way it's because if you in in this case, if I get sick, uh, two bands have to cancel a show, mm -hmm. half of the lineup. That would be quite bad. So. I turned to um, to wake uh, up a little bit early and also go to bed a little bit early and simply make sure everything is in a good place. I didn't want to go out. I didn't uh, went downtown, except we we have been in a, in a venue downtown in a city, for example, in uh, New York. It was nice. We played Premacy Theater and it was cool to walk nice. around. That, that was lovely. But everything else, I, I simply made sure all my gear is fine. I'm doing fine for the vocals because, of course, I can change my, my guitar strings, I can uh, exchange a, a broken whatever piece, but uh, if my vocals are fucked, 
yeah. there's hardly anything to do. So simply staying disciplined helped me going through that. And also the other guys in, in both who helped me um, with the gear and with everything uh, made it happen. So long story short, it was a big success. And uh, I will keep it in my in my old rotten black heart as one of the nicest experience of the last years. That's awesome. That's great to hear. So um, you already said that you were kind of working on a, on another headline news tour. What's, what's next for Thulkandra? Uh, obviously, you already mentioned that you're writing for Obscura, but what, what's happening with Fukendra uh, next? Well, for the second half of this year, we are preparing something something nice for our 20-year anniversary. The band released five albums, including Hell the Abyss, but um, we have a full archive of, well, live, live recordings, of um, uh, video recordings, multi-angle recordings. Together with uh, Napalm Records, our record label, we are preparing something for late 2023 or early 2024, simply to celebrate the 20-year anniversary. And uh, hopefully this will happen before the, the North American tour. So we are trying to get everything Thing together align all plans and then and in the meantime we play mainly shows in our home country in germany eight nine i think ten festivals confirmed so far so well we stay in shape and play a lot of live shows and see what comes next awesome awesome and now uh, where are some of the links or some of the places in, in the internets where people can get more information from you guys and Not coming news and more stuff. We have our own website. Of course, we are uh, we are visible on all channels. I would recommend YouTube because we produced three wonderful like uh, music videos, and also from our 15 year anniversary show, we have released five or six songs like multi-angles, uh, um, songs with a proper post-production. And um, if you want to see how the band works and sounds live, just have a look. Those those videos turn out really, really cool. And I can just recommend to, well, have a glass of wine, a beer, or a shot of tequila, and <laughs> well, <laughs> watch, watch the videos. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Stefan. It's been a pleasure talking to you for sure. It's, uh, it's really good to also kind of like, pick the brain of, of a musician who's been doing this. And, and obviously there's a lot of activity you've been doing in this year alone. So it's really cool to, to get to talk to you. Uh, everyone out there, don't forget to listen to, to Canada's latest album, Hail the Abyss, which is out now via Napalm Records. Uh, grab some merch, follow the band on all socials, and uh, we'll talk next time. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you. This has been another episode of the Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. Check us out at ghostcultmag.com and follow our socials at ghostcultmag. Until the next time, peace.